What's up, ringers? Welcome to episode 92 of the Put a Ring on a Podcast. Guys, another one in the feels for you. Here is another feeler episode. We got into it. We got a little personal and I think offered some great marriage advice, great relationship advice, great coming together partnership advice from both our lives and from people in our orbit. They uh, sent in some really lovely and delicious ideas on how to keep it together. Yeah, it's like about having a healthy marriage, which is or like a healthy relationship even, right? Like that's what we're always talking about. And we are in it with you guys because we want to see you have a good wedding planning experience, right? Like that's what we are here for you for. But we also don't want to like dump you at the finish line and be like, all right, well, now you're married. Peace out. Bye. But here's the thing. When we say we're here with you, it's not just this podcast, We also have our Patreon community that we invite all of you to come join and hang out with us and get a ton more when it comes to tips and stories and resources and all of the really good things. If you head to our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I, like put a ring on it. There's options to join in there um, like at many different levels. But I want to tell you guys about our Ringer Club. Our Ringer Club is specifically our like Not our cool kids club, but it's kind of our cool kids club because it's all of our best ringers. We meet once a month where we do this really fun virtual hangout. In September, we had an amazing time. We laughed. We shared really good tips. People were helping each other, which was really awesome. And the next meetup is coming up very soon. We always meet the second Thursday of every month at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So there's no excuse why you can't be there. I want you guys to be there. I want you to join the club and hang out with us. The next one is going to be October 8th. So if you're listening to this right when it comes out, you still have time to join and come hang with us. So that's what I think you should do today. I think that would be a really good thing. Listen to this episode. Go join the Ringer Club. And yeah, let's do this. Hey there, ringers. Welcome to the Put a Ring on It podcast. I'm Danielle Pasternak, wedding planner of DPNAC Events. And I'm Daniel Moyer, wedding photographer of Daniel Moyer Photography. Together, we are two wedding pros sharing our best tips, tricks, and advice for planning a wedding that feels good to you. Because planning a wedding is hard work, but not anymore, because we've got your back. So Dan, are you ready? You know it. Let's do this. What's up, Ringers? Episode 92. We are croaching and croaching. We are creeping up to episode 100. Holy moly. I like to be croaching. Croaching. It's croaching tiger. Hiding dragon. <laughs> Hiding dragon. <laughs> I don't know what that was a mixture of, but it was pretty funny. But yeah, looking at 92, who would have thought that way back when in January of 2016 that we would be almost to 100? <laughs> We're going to say the same thing when we get to 100. It's going to be ridiculous, but it's going to be hilarious. Anyway, this episode, I'm way hyped on because I feel like it's a feeler episode and I am the heart. And this, a lot of this stuff is going to come from the heart. This is a great feeler episode, right? Yeah, I think this is one of those episodes where we're like, we're talking about something that falls probably outside of our line of expertise, right? Like we're wedding experts and both of us feel really uncomfortable saying that we're wedding experts. But combined, we said before, we have over 20 years of experience in the wedding industry, but we're not marriage experts. But Dan has been married for six years now. Yeah, six and a half at this time of recording. Yes. And but you've been like together for over 11. I obviously everybody knows I'm not married. So like there's that aspect this but you know, Mike and I have been together for seven years. So 
This is an episode that we actually put some feelers out to compile some great advice from people who have been married. And it was really, really amazing hearing what everybody had to say. So we put it all together and we wanted to share it with you guys. Yeah. And so maybe this isn't just like marriage advice. Maybe this is like long relationship advice or healthy relationship advice or, you know, how to grow closer together as a couple kind of thing, you know? Yeah, we talk about weddings all the time, but a beautiful wedding does not guarantee you a beautiful marriage. We're here to cheer you on through this process. And it's not fair, I guess, if we dump you once you hit the finish line, right? So this is our like getting you past the finish line of the wedding and going from there. But before we dive in, my planner friend, Amanda, says this, which I very much agree with, and that's everyone's situation is different, and what works for one couple may not work for another. Like, no marriage is perfect, and if it seems like it is, she says, thank their therapist, which I very much agree. So this episode's definitely not about achieving like a perfect marriage, and I'm putting that in bunny ears because, spoiler alert, it doesn't exist, right? We all have highs and lows in our personal lives, throughout our relationships, and in all of it. But the goal, in my opinion, is the healthy marriage, right? Where you have good days, you have not so good days as life kind of throws your curveballs and challenges to navigate together. So this is not like, this is how to have it all and be totally happy all the time because that's crap. Yeah. And I think if we can define perfect, right? Like I feel like if you said, oh, I have a perfect marriage, I feel like most people would say, oh, we just don't argue. We don't like everything's great, right? Like I feel like in my definition of perfect, like I've got a, the perfect marriage because like it just feels perfect, right? Like Rachel and I, we fit really well. We argue, we butt heads, we get too tired, we're stressed thin and all that kind of stuff. But like I still feel like we have a perfect marriage because we work well together for us. Our marriage is perfect for us. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. We're saying like, no, no, we have the perfect marriage model us kind of thing. But yeah, I think we should dive in. And I feel like this first one is one that like you hear all the time. It's like the number one thing people say when you say like, oh, what's your marriage advice? And that is don't go to bed angry. Dan, does this work for you and Rachel? Do you guys subscribe to that advice? I don't. No, I don't. But I will say that like it's a pride thing, right? Like if we're having an argument like and I don't apologize, right? It's a pride thing. And once I get over my pride and sometimes that takes sleeping on it, right? Sometimes it takes sleeping on it to like gain some perspective. And you know, if like you say you have an argument in the beginning of the day, like squashing it as quick as possible, I think is the most important thing, right? Like just giving up your pride and saying, no, 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 I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be like that. I'm stressed. I'm whatever. But I think my caveat to that is if you sleep in the same bed, you can go to bed angry, but I'd say never sleep in another room. Always even if you're angry, sleep in the same bed if that's what you do. So that's my thing, right? Like you can't let somebody else, like your feelings or something, color the way you show that person love, right? Because if this thing is temporary, right, this argument that you're having or whatever is temporary, you always still make your bed and you always still stick with that person. And for me, I'm since I'm like a physical person, I need to be physically close to my wife to still say, no, 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 even though we're angry, this will not change. Right. I think this is one of those pieces of advice growing up. I feel like I heard it a lot and I don't I don't know why that is, but I still can't decide if it's that I don't agree with it or if growing up I misinterpreted what it meant. Because similar to what you said, so like story time, early in my relationship with Mike and even from previous relationships I was in, I would often start fights at night. And like start fights meaning like I would leave stuff bottled up that was bothering me and wait until the end of the day and then kind of let it out because it seemed like it was the time of day where it was suddenly quiet and I would just lay there ruminating with all these thoughts and I'm not a person that holds that stuff in 
is when it's quiet, right? Like if I don't have a distraction, I have to let that out. So eventually I've learned, especially with Mike, that nighttime was not the best time for us to talk through stuff. The sleepier that Mike was, the more grumpy and defensive he is. And then the more he acts like that, the more mad I would get over a situation that the next day was like minor. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't as big as it was in that moment, which is okay. Like that's part of being in a relationship and cohabitating with somebody. So we started going to sleep, quote unquote, angry. And I'll come back to that in a second. But resolving things the next day when our heads were less cloudy and we felt more rational and logical worked better for us because we were kinder to one another. It was like resolved much easier. There was less, I don't want to say less emotion, but like we were just able to see through it a lot better. So I've learned two things from that. One being don't wait until nighttime to talk about it. It's a much more pleasant evening if we talk before we're both like dead tired and like moody. And two, if it's okay if we go to sleep with some things unresolved, we are committed to resolving them the next day. And that's our commitment to each other. I could never be okay with like letting it linger in the air for a few days. Like I wouldn't handle that well. But as long as I know the next day we're going to come back to it, then I'm good. But going back to the idea of like not going to bed angry, and that's where I say I may be misinterpreting what this means, is we don't go to bed raging mad at the other person. We end up going to bed understanding that like we're not on the same page right now. He's not getting what I'm saying or I'm not getting what he's saying. But if we see we aren't resolving anything and going in circles, we agree to just say like, take a breath. I'm going to bed. I love you kiss and go to bed with things left unresolved. So we're not like raging mad going to sleep, but we're not resolved either. And that's where I don't know if the like don't go to bed angry means like stay up and fight because I also hear people say that. Or if it just means like don't go to bed like with a ton of anger in your heart. I don't know. It's my long story. Yeah, that's an interesting one considering that you hear it so often. Like I often wonder like what the sweet couple who's been married for 62 years who's like, you know, hey, Mr. Holmes, what's your marriage advice? Or Mrs. Holmes, what's your marriage advice? Don't go to bed angry, right? Like that's what they always say. Like one of these times the DJ needs to be like, so let's unpack that and like just dive into like a t- <laughs> right in the middle of the wedding you know like what would happen anyway it's true for me that was like one of those things and a friend shared this with me too as she said like learn to communicate honestly before resentment or anger sets in because if you're really mad you've probably waited too long and obviously this is like a whole slew of things that you can like be fighting over and there's like big things and little things but for the most part those little things if you're able to kind of communicate through it first and early on i think it squashes it a lot sooner yeah i just know that like when i self-examine myself when we're in an argument self-examine myself like a lot of times it's not necessarily like me wanting to stay mad it's me not wanting to admit that i was wrong and my pride setting in right like oh, i don't want to be the one who says i'm sorry first right which is not the healthiest place to be but then when you like examine that and you squash it and say like i don't want to be doing this for the next hour, two hours, five hours, whatever. I want to have a great day and I want to have a great day with you because you're the person I love most, blah, 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 right? Anyway, the next one that we saw, I actually really like this one because a mentor of mine said something very similar. So they said the grass is greener where you water it. So why don't you explain this one and I'm going to add on something that I think about when I hear this one. Well, I think this is just about proper lawn care, you know what I mean, and good landscaping. I think it's the more time you spend giving something your love and attention, the more it's going to flourish, right? Obviously, we don't want to overwater it and smother it with our love. But if you don't put any thought or energy into it, you can't expect much to come from that. 
You know what I mean? Yep. There's two things that came to my mind with this. There's one called the 90-90 rule that I'll go into in a minute. But I think a mentor of mine long time ago, right after I got married, uh, I was attending this like little seminar at this weekend thing. And this guy said, be a student of your spouse forever. And I think it's fascinating. Like he's been married for a long time and he talks about how like he shuts off his phone right before dinner and they have like three hour dinners where they're just like having conversations and hanging out and spending time together. And he's like always prepares like a question that can like, you know, like, oh, he's really thoughtful. And so he talks about like being a student of that person and constantly learning and wanting to go out of their way and understand who that person is. And I love that sentiment, right? Like just don't ever think you know everything about this person. And talk about like watering things. We're all so busy right now. Um, I mean, we're all just busy in general uh, with so many things grabbing our attention. And I love this idea of when you first come back together or when you're leaving, you spend 90 seconds loving on that person and they're the only thing that matters. So if you're leaving to go to work or whatever, 90 seconds, sometimes it's going to be 30, sometimes it's 15 seconds. We try to get 90 seconds in, right? Where you're just loving on that person, give them some nice thoughts to, you know, as you leave, give them, hug them, squeeze them. And then same thing when you come back together. I try to do that one. It's like all this other stuff, we're running around crazy, but at least for this couple minutes before I have to leave, you're the most important thing. And I need to tell you that. And it's true, right? Like we have to put our energy into things that we want to see grow and flourish. I think that's basically – and that also means like date, right? Like it doesn't have to be like fancy or expensive or even at night. It could just be time together set aside with the intention to focus on one another and your relationship. That's like a perfect example of it right there. And that date time has to be scheduled first. That stuff should be on your calendar before everything else. Yeah, it can get pushed. Yep, it can't get pushed, right? Like there's another friend of mine who says is married for a long time. He uh I think he married like thirty some years. He said, No matter what, Thursdays is date night. He's like, Nothing, nothing comes in the way of date night. Nothing. Love that. Yeah, I dig that. All right. So the next advice is one we've talked about before on many episodes, but this bit of advice comes down to knowing your love language and your partner's love language, right? Because once you know your love language, and by love language, we're talking about the five love languages by Gary Chapman. But once you learn those, then it's up to you to put in the time to learn to speak their language, okay? And that's like, if you spoke Spanish and they spoke French, life would get pretty frustrating if you only spoke to them in Spanish and they only spoke to you in French. You would never really fully be on the same page. There'd be like a lot of miscommunication and it would just be really frustrating to go through life like that. So if you take the same approach with love languages, just because it's not initially clear for you, you will in time learn that language and come to appreciate what it means to ask them and vice versa. And this was something I actually found a few years ago, which opened up my eyes and Mike's eyes actually quite a bit in our relationship. Did you know that there's five love languages for apologizing too? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a bunch, but I listened to a podcast and it was completely accidental, but they were talking about the love languages and it's still by Gary Chapman. And actually this one's brought on with Jennifer Thomas, but it's the five languages of apology. And just like we have different love languages, people have different ways of apologizing and receiving apologies that feels good. And it was a huge turning point for Mike and I, because we realized for me to just hear him or whoever say, I'm really sorry, means far more to me than anything else. Whereas Mike 
felt like he had to prove he was sorry by like doing all these things. And I would just say like, I just need you to say I'm sorry. And to him, he didn't think that that was enough. And to me, it was the world. So it was like the similar thing of love languages where you have words of affirmation. Right. Like it's like just different things mean different things to different people. It helped us so much because I was like, see, like, that's exactly what it is. He's like, I never thought about it like that. I just thought like me saying sorry felt like such a cop out and didn't feel like enough. And I felt like I had to do this other thing. And that was really, really big for us. Yeah, that's an interesting one because apologizing is I don't know that it comes naturally to like everybody. But I also don't want to like harp on like, you know, if you're arguing or whatever, like just going out of your way and like doing something little can have so much value, right? So like if you haven't read The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman, I need to read The Five Love Languages of Apology now. But if you haven't read that book or taken the test or whatever, do you know all five off the top of your head? Of the apology or love languages? Love languages. Yeah, yeah, I know them. So it's physical touch, acts of service, words of affirmation, quality time, and gifts. Nice. Excellent work, Danielle. Five points for Gryffindor. And I didn't have that in the outline, guys, so I really did know that. She did not. She really did know that. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, that book was a game changer for me, too. And we'll just leave it at that. All right. On to the next tip we received that we really liked. So there's a reason why we have two ears and one mouth. And that's because we're supposed to listen quick and speak slow. We're supposed to listen double the amount that we speak. Did you ever hear that one? Yes, I have. Have. <laughs> hey, you. <laughs> Be quick to listen and slow to speak. <laughs> well, I think it's like when you're kind of like in the heat of the moment. I've certainly done this. I'm certainly guilty of it where like instead of listening to what that person's saying, I find myself like crafting my rebuttal the whole time the person's talking if I'm not already interrupting them as they're talking, right? Like I'm not actually listening. I'm preparing to talk. But if we learn to listen and try to understand like what that person's trying to express to us, that's the time where we're going to grow as people. That's right. That's where I feel like a bunch of the things I was saying earlier about my pride stepping in, like being the first one to not want to say you're sorry and not going to bed angry and all that stuff. I feel like sometimes when you're forced to listen and listening sometimes for me is like running over the conversation in my head and being like, oh, this is not the person I want to be. This is not that, whatever. That is me slowing down. And I think if you're like just in the heat of that and you're trying to resolve things before you go to bed, you just stay in that loop of, well, he said, she said, he said, she said, and it just keeps escalating. And sometimes when you stop and you are forced to listen and think about what the other person did, that's when perspective is gained. Yeah. I think that like leads us into the next thing too, because in the heat of the moment, like we've all said stuff that we've later regretted. You know what I mean? That we're like, I shouldn't, why did I say that? Like, I was just mad. That's not at all true or how I feel. Those words just came out. But this one to me hit me hard. And that's being kind is more important than being right. I love to be right. I love to be right. It's who I am. It's how I was raised. It is in my core DNA that I need to be right. I have no problem saying when I'm wrong, but I love it when I'm right. So in a relationship... Sometimes, and I've certainly done this too, I've wanted the fact that I was right to trump anything else that I was trying to be, right? Like I was leaving the world of being a kind partner and I was just doing anything I could to be right about the situation. But regardless of who's right or wrong, if your partner is expressing how they feel about the situation, 
that's what they feel. There's no right or wrong to it. And if you lead with an apology about making them feel that way, I think it often will diffuse the situation much faster. Though, again, as I said before, for me, saying I'm sorry will diffuse me. Even the little kid in the house is starting to learn that, like, he just needs to say I'm sorry and I, like, instantly chill out versus any other, like, <laughs> plan of attack that they may want to take. I don't think you have that problem, Dan. Like, when you talk about pride, I don't think you're a, like, I need to be right kind of person. Yeah, it's more of a, I don't want to be the one who says sorry. I don't want to, sometimes it's that I need to be right or like, sound like I'm right. But kindness is like, it's so interesting. Now there's a song, I can't remember who sings it, but it's like, when did kindness become, like, extraordinary? And I think just in general, like we use a little more kindness. And this is me just thinking out loud again. But like I remember when Rachel and I were first dating and I would like drive out of my way to like leave little notes on her windshield and all that kind of stuff. And it's funny how like how as life kind of has its way with you and you get content that you like stop doing those little things. The amount of mix CDs I made for Rachel in like the first couple of years is insane. But I think it's interesting to like think about when you were first dating the stuff that you did. Like maybe that's a form of just being kind again and just doing some of those little things that fill the other person's love tank. Yeah, that's all very true too. I think one of the things that I learned and I am learning as I get older is that when it comes to the way something should be done, there's many ways to do something and that's okay. Like it doesn't always have to be my way that something happens or their way. Like like if you feel strongly about why something should be done a certain way, maybe explain it kindly without criticizing. I am for sure to blame about this. But like I'm learning this with like folding towels or clothes. Like, oh, who cares? Like he folded the towels. Shut up. Just say thank you and be done with it. Guys, <laughs> I'm trying, okay? My type A Virgos out there, I know I'm speaking to you and I know you hear me and I'm hitting you right in the heart, but like, I think in time in your relationship, you do start to, I don't want to say mellow because that's for sure the wrong word, but like you start to realize like that's not the hill I want to die on. Like It just is what it is. And so to really test this hypothesis, as Danielle was speaking, I changed all of the font on our outline to Comic Sans because we can still read it. You can still read it. It's okay. It's going to be okay. And I can see the steam coming out of the sides of her ears. (laughs) She's panicking now. I literally just got a stomachache. What did you do? Oh, but I don't even know if you see this on your end, but like you didn't change all of it. You changed like some of it sporadically with no rhyme or reason. There's a little bit of Times New Romans peppered in there too. It doesn't have to be perfect. (laughs) I wish you guys could all see this. Oh my God, that's so mean. (laughs) And what's the best part is that it's still the stuff that we have to talk about yet. So we have to go through it in Comic Sans. But I know that the next one kind of you really dug and that's the River Jordan concept. And I haven't heard of this one. Me either. Okay. I can't. I'm busy taking this fonts back on the outline. Okay, so the River Jordan concept is that you make decisions together, but then each of you enforce the decision with your respective families. And I like this. We've talked about this before because it also applies to wedding planning. But don't make your partner be the bad guy to your family, right? If something tricky needs to be discussed or enforced or whatever it is, you need to come together on it in your partnership, but then you need to divide and conquer with your families because if you're on the same page and you make them do the dirty work, to me, it just creates a huge wedge. Yep. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, that's an interesting one. I wonder how it got its name. We'll have to look into that. Anyway. I don't know. I tried looking that up, and then I think I got distracted by something with Hamilton. So this just happens these days. <laughs> yeah. This one also is another interesting one. Um, I feel like there's like a lot of symbolism in this one, and it's to create a path back to one another. Yeah. So an officiant friend shared this with me, and she actually heard it from one of her couples, and she said she just really liked it. And obviously, it's really up for interpretation, but the idea is that when you're going through something difficult, have a set course that leads you back to a place of love with one another. So Mike and I did this um, to give you an example when we were renovating our house a few years ago. For me, house renovations are stressful. Obviously, they're by nature very costly, and I cried a lot because I simultaneously felt like I was like no help. And it was just like a lot of things that we had to do in a very short period of time. And with anything like, you know, what could go wrong went wrong. And it was just like so much work to do. So whenever we found ourselves getting overwhelmed and kind of letting our ick ooze out onto the other person where that was like completely misdirected, we designated one spot in our new house that we'd stand in. We'd hold hands, we'd take some breaths, and we'd just talk through why we were doing everything and like refocus and reset ourselves. And whatever we were doing, if we started feeling like we were like giving attitude or getting overwhelmed or like I was crying or whatever it was, we just say, okay, stop what we're doing. Let's go to our spot. It was right in the kitchen. We would just stand there and hold hands and be like, this is our home. Like we're building this for us, for our future. And like, this is a good thing. And it's okay that we're stressed, but we're like, we're here. We got this. We can do it. And I think it helped Mike because his love language is physical touch. So that's why we held hands. And it helped me because affirmation helps me a ton when I'm stressed. So I'd say that ritual saved us from a lot of unnecessary fights when we were like in a really stressful situation. But I think it's like figuring out your own interpretation of that, like just find a path back to each other so that you know that's your place, that's your home. And like, obviously you can adapt it to be whatever you need and whatever works for you. Yep, that's the love tank thing, I think, for Rachel and I. It's like our check-in. Essentially what you do is every once in a while, maybe it's once a week, maybe it's once a day, if you're going through things crazy, you just say, on a scale from one to 10, one being very empty of love and needing a lot of love to fill you up, and 10 being so filled with love that you couldn't possibly fit any more love inside your body, where are you? Where are you at in your love tank? And if it's anything less than a 10, your only response is, what can I do to make it a 10? That's it. There's no judgment, nothing. I've also heard of another one. We haven't done this. It hasn't been necessary in our relationship yet. But like if there's an, something that you know is really bothering the two of you and you squash it for a little bit, you put it off until later when you're in that spot, you go to that spot and you stand there and you can essentially – air your grievances, right? Like this is something that I feel like I wanted you to come alongside with me, but you didn't this or that, right? And you can air your grievances. And the only response that the person can make is thank you for sharing that with me. And that's it. And later you can come back. I think there's a cooling off period. I forget exactly how it works. But I think that idea of like going into one spot or like having one phrase or something that brings you back that you can check in with each other is very powerful to come back together. Because there's times where like we've both been like one, zero right and you're like holy crap something's wrong here because it's like it's not often that you know we are all very straightforward and out with like our emotions but when somebody asks you right like i feel like it's more powerful when you ask somebody how on this scale especially when it's your significant other you know where are you at 
it's just a good check-in versus, and maybe this is me where like, you don't take it as seriously when they're like, I'm hurting right now, or I need this right now or whatever, right? You're like, oh no, no, it's okay. We'll, we'll get to it later. Or yeah, just one second, right? Just, just one second. Let me finish this really quick, right? Totally different. And I think those check-ins are really powerful and important. I totally agree. You shared that with me early on and that helped us a lot too. And we still do it every so often. Like you can tell, like you can tell when things feel heavier and you kind of like need to check in. And it's an easy way to open the conversation because it's not saying what's wrong with you. Oh, am I not doing enough? It's saying like, where are you at right now? And like, what can I do? Like, what do you need? What's your love tank at? Yeah, exactly. It's a really kind way to go about it too. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, so many feels geese in this episode. I love it so much. Okay. A lot of feels. Lots of feels. I hope you guys are still with us. You're doing really good. We're going to get juicy in a bit here. But this next one is talking about, so as humans, right? Like you're going to grow and change as you go through life. Or at least I hope you do, right? Like that's my biggest wish for you. But it's important to do that together. Obviously, you're not going to do everything the exact same thing. But as you grow as a person and the years progress, like we all want to become better versions of ourselves, but don't leave your partner behind. And when I read this, I had like so many thoughts that started kind of rushing through me, but I do think it's this like really lovely thing. Like this was a planner friend of mine, her name's Stacy down in Virginia. And she said like, enjoy the ride together. And I love that so much because I just think there's so many things and challenges that we kind of are met with. And I think it's so important to like cheer each other on through that process, you know? It's interesting. Sometimes Rachel and I have date nights and like our date nights now are very different because they're after babies go to bed and all that stuff. But sometimes our date nights are doing completely separate things and then checking in with each other after them, right? Like there are plenty of movies that I will watch that she has no desire to watch. And one of her favorite things to do is go lay in the tub and read a book. Right. And like, it's really interesting. Like, and we still call them date nights, but then like we just check in with each other after. And it's interesting how sometimes what I need most is like to lay on the couch and watch Star Wars together and eat Red Robins like we did last night. And then the other times it's like, you know, she needs book time in the bath and I want to work out or I want to, I don't know, do something for myself. Right. It's just interesting that we still call them date nights. And I think definitely do things together and cheer each other on, but also cheer each other on in your personal lives, in your lives as individuals. Right. I think it also reinforces the idea of like, like, don't feel like you need to do things in your marriage because like a society or your friends or a movie or your parents or religion says marriage should like look or act or behave a certain way. Like you need to create rules that work for you both and you don't need to defend those rules to anyone else as long as they work for you and you're on the same page about it, right? Like, you know, you may say that to your parents and your parents may be like, well, that's not healthy or you shouldn't do this. Or like, I know I have friends that like, they started sleeping in separate beds because he was snoring and she wasn't sleeping well and they just needed sleep to get through it. And for them, they found their way back to each other by like getting their rest apart. You know what I mean? They didn't live apart, but like they just stayed in separate beds for a while and like it worked for them. That's like really hard. And obviously, you know, we're sharing all these marriage tips and all, all these different things, but you need to find what works for you and then hone in on that. Right. I think I talked about this in a long time ago. I don't remember what episode, but like I asked my parents like a long time ago about like what they did when they first started dating and what, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's just funny that like there was no Google then. They didn't have their phones with them, but like they just found these like little ways to be with each other and do things. Right. So one of the things they would do is like they would go out to dinner and they'd set it like a goal and they'd go to a diner and they would say, today we're going to find a diner that has a black and white checkered floor. 
or today we're going to find a diner that has pink neon on the outside of the diner, right? And like that was their thing because diners were, you know, there were so many of them back then. But like they would just like hop in the car. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They love a diner. There's a diner close to our house and it's like, I mean, we don't go out right now, obviously, but yeah, it's just like those little things. They just found ways to connect and spend time with each other. Yeah, it's just interesting that they like that they found these ways to connect with each other and they just had to be creative and come up with ideas. And I think we could take a lot from that and from our parents' generation where like distractions were different, I think, at the time. But if you have to Google ways to like keep the fire alive or like do cute dates, do it um, just to change things up. Yeah, totally agree. Actually, I watched a documentary today on Netflix. It's about, and I was trying to look up the name of it and I can't, but it's basically about, I think it's called our social network or something like that, about like how bad all of these like social media platforms are for us and for our society and for our brains right now. And it's like, it is very eye-opening to watch that. If you haven't, brace yourselves because it is good to watch. I think it's like a good thing to know about how everything is working, but it's designed to like keep us engaged in the thing and not let us engage in the world around us. And it is really easy to get sucked into the scroll, right? And just, anyway, side tangent. All right, next thing. Relationships are not always going to be 50-50. Guys, we're often told the idea of like, oh, it should be 50-50. And my hope is that like over many, many, many years together, hopefully it averages out to be about 50-50. But you will have seasons or days or hours or weeks or whatever it is where you will need to put the team on your back or lean a bit more on your partner. Like, It's going to be days where it's 60-40 or 20-80, and you just need to adjust accordingly, and that's okay. Yep. Yeah, what do you think about this idea? My parents, when they got married, they said that they made a promise to each other that they will both always give 80 and expect 20. I feel like that way it does average out to maybe 50% because you get fatigued after a while trying to give 80% all the time. But they always said like, you know, we're both going to try to constantly do more than we expect, right? You're doing more. You're not expecting like, oh, well, I did this thing. Now you have to do some of these things for me, right? They're always constantly giving. And I like that idea. I feel like that one works for me, that idea of like, I just need to give a little bit more and expect a little bit less. And then it evens out because like you said, we each have our up days and down days. And I think it, then it comes out to 50-50, you know? I sometimes think of it like, you know, when you go to kiss your partner and you like both like come together and kiss, right? There's some days and some moments where like you can feel like you need to go a little bit more to them. And it's vice versa. That's like the very like physical representation of that to me is like you're not always just like going this like equal 50% distance to each other to like smooch on the lips. Sometimes you need to go a little bit more towards them and like wrap them up. And sometimes you need them to do that for you. That reminds me of that movie Hitch with Will Smith. I come 90, you come 10. Yeah. No, do you remember that part? I like that movie a lot. I don't know how problematic that movie is today because obviously like a lot of things have not like aged as well. But that aside, I really like just the people in that movie and all that. Speaking of kissing, this next one, well, this one is a bit more adult. So I want you, if you've got young ears listening right now, I want you to hit that fast forward button that like skip 30 seconds or whatever it is a few times. And while you do that, I will tell you that Dan has found a screwdriver and is now holding it. Guys, I don't know. I've been holding this for like the whole entire episode. I just, okay. It's like a fidget item. It's got your screwdriver. I'm glad you have that. So here we go. Hopefully you've hit fast forward if you have young ears. But this one came from a friend of mine and I heard it and I laughed out loud and she just said, have sex, have lots of sex. And I can't agree more. (laughs) 
That's what I'm going to say. Because I think it's like, don't lose the joy of the intimacy that you had at the beginning of the relationship. If you're still in the phase where like, it's amazing and it's frequent, that's great. But it will likely fizzle out. And I think you need to do what you can to hang onto it, even when you really don't want to do it. And like, I'm saying like the mental part of like, I'm tired, blah, blah, blah. Do it anyway. Dan, do you have anything to add? You're just going to let me be raunchy over here all by myself? (laughs) I think you did it justice. That's great. Well, I guess I'll say coming from, not to stereotype, but obviously I think men and women view it a little bit differently, right? And that's, I guess, all I need to say about it. And that's probably why I have more to say about it than you do. So, Yep. That's why I let you take that one. (laughs) (laughs) You just play with your screwdriver, Dan. It's fine. We can wrap this up. Like all of these things that we're talking about really comes down to communication, right? Like it is easy to get sucked into the phone or the routine of watching TV or whatever it is. And that's fine. But like, don't underestimate the power of sitting on your front porch and just talking. Yeah, some of our favorite things right now, like it's actually funny how much I crave to like go into the car with Rachel and like our kids because like in the car, they like are all sitting in their own seats. They're chilling. They're like, they can't climb on you. And I love to like be in the car as a family and drive and like talk with Rachel and Alice like will blab and all that kind of stuff in the background and like interrupt and ask questions. But like, that's what being four is. But like that right now, I feel like is the only time or, you know, at night after everybody's gone to bed, but at least like we're not super tired then. Usually at night is when we check in with each other. Well, it's almost like there's nothing, not that there's nothing else to do in the car, but like you're limited. Like there's not a ton of distractions. Like you have to be driving obviously, but otherwise you're just there in that space, you know? That's it. I love that. Guys, this episode, I hope it like inspired you to just go love on your person. Yep. Show them a little love. Wrap them up and give them some smooches. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Put a Ring on a Podcast. Hey, before we wrap up this episode, we want to take a minute and give lots of love and virtual high fives to all of our Patreon supporters. We wouldn't be here without you. You guys are the best. Yeah, you are. And if you want to join this fabulous community of ringers, Because let's be real, things are way easier when you have a solid support system who's going through it just like you are. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I, or just click the link in the show notes. Yeah, not only are you helping out our show, but we are committed to bringing you a ton of extra help along the way. Like we've said, we got your back. Another way you can show your support is to rate, review, and subscribe in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us right now. If you want to dive deeper on anything that we talked about today, check out the show notes at putaringonapodcast.com. And don't forget to connect with us on Instagram, where you can catch some more tips, see Dan's amazing photos, and watch some behind-the-scenes bloopers. Follow us at Put a Ring on it Podcast. Now, friends, remember, we are here to help you, but no matter whose advice you follow or what decisions you make, know that your wedding is going to be amazing. Because you rock! Until next time, ringers.